Hello, boxing fans. Welcome to another episode of World Championship Boxing. And today we're talking about the fight of the century, 50 years later. And I'm joined once again by one Silva. How you doing, man? Not only the fight of the century, the fight of all time. There has never been a big, bigger fight before or after this fight. This is the single biggest fight, and you can make an argument, sporting event in the history of mankind, and that is Muhammad Ali versus Joe Frazier for the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world, March 8th, 1971, in the mecca of boxing, the mecca of sports, our own New York City's Madison Square Garden. Yeah, absolutely, man. And it was a uh, just a phenomenal event. Um, I I think of it as sort of like it kind of captured all of boxing up to that point and then also like kind of encapsulated all in one fight, you know? Like I thought just something about it, like just the – the two different styles of, of personality and then the two different ways of fighting. Excellent um, point. Now, when I Excellent look at, um, when I look at um, the way Frazier fought that fight, it was so unorthodox. And, uh, but, but we're going to talk about that, but I just think it's just like ultimate underdog story, you know, ultimate, the bully finally got beat up story, you know? Yeah, but there's, there's, there's a lot of narrative you can make, and we'll talk about it before, during and after the fight. But you have, and this is the first time, in my opinion, in the history of professional boxing, as you, have everyone who's a regular listener to this show knows, I'm a boxing historian. I'm on the level of a Roberto Clemente in baseball, of a Hank Aaron in baseball when it comes to boxing knowledge. I am a, a walking encyclopedia. And this is the first time in my recollection in reading and in studying the sport that you had the two best fighters in the world at fight each other. That never happened before. If you look at the history books, Sugar Ray, Le- Sugar Ray Robinson, when he was the best fighter in the world, never fought the second best fighter in the world because when he was the best fighter in the world, Joe Lewis was considered the second best fighter in the world and one's a welterweight, one's a heavyweight. So they're not fighting each other. And so forth. Finally, you have the two best fighters in the world fighting each other. You have the previous heavyweight champion who never lost the title in the ring against the new heavyweight champion who hadn't beaten the heavyweight champion before. He had won in the tournament, and we'll go into all that. Then you have the political climate at the time, Logan. Racial unrest, and 50 years later, there's nothing different. Racial unrest, rioting in the streets, you, you're having the government execute leaders like Malcolm X and Martin Luther King and Robert F. Kennedy and, and I mean, John F. Kennedy and Robert Kennedy and oh, you had Fred Hampton and you had all these great young leaders trying to bring peace and understanding to the world, to the country, to try to bring uh, reparations and and an equal equality to to blacks, Hispanics, Asians, Native Americans, etc. They're getting killed one one after a time. Police brutality, as it's always been, is on the rise. And you've had riots 
throughout all the major urban areas of the United States. You had the Watts riots in the mid-60s. You had the Detroit riots of 1967. You had the riots in Washington and Boston and Newark after King was assassinated in 1968. And in the middle of this, middle of this, in 1967, Muhammad Ali is stripped of his world title because he, did, he does not want to enter an illegal war. It's against his beliefs. It's against his religion. And he said, why should I go to Asia and kill brown people when my own people are suffering in this country? I'm not doing it. And he was stripped of the world championship. So you have the political climate, political climate of the day. You have the two biggest fighters, the two best fighters in the world fighting each other. You have... Like Logan mentioned at the beginning of the program, two fighters with different personalities. Joe Frazier was your lunch pail, hardworking, construction worker type fighter. Everything he did, he earned. Nothing was given to him. And not a, not a well-spoken uh, a young man. He fought with his fists. He, didn't, he wasn't a great talker, but he fought with his fists. While Ali was, had the gift of gab with the most... You can make an argument, and I will, and I believe it, that he's the most charismatic man to ever walk the face of the earth. Um, when he came into a room, everybody's eyes turned to him. When he spoke, nobody, nobody interrupted him. Nobody wanted to leave the room. They wanted to hear everything he said because everything he said was colorful. He was a tremendous speaker, which he became better, Logan, during his exile because he made a living going to college campuses and speaking about racial injustices and why he decided not to fight in the war and why the war on racism had to be stamped out. So that's, you have all this factor into this incredible night where the Madison Square Garden was completely sold out. 20,455 people paid to see this fight. For a gate of one point three million dollars, no, and it was there was no give there was no giveaways. Frank Sinatra, who wanted to see this fight, got a job with Life Magazine to be a photographer for the fight, just so he could see the fight. Frank Sinatra, old blue eyes, one of the biggest stars in the history of the United States, couldn't get tickets to this fight. That's how huge this fight was. Meanwhile. One of the biggest gangsters on the planet. Uh, what was my man's? Frank Lucas was able to get fifth row seats uh, because you, he was Frank Lucas. <laughs> so you have, or you have all, you you have the who's who of celebrity Diana Ross. You name it was there that night. The who's who of society. Boxing had never been so mainstream, and it never would be again. I just mean the Ali era, the whole era. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Well, um, while Sugar Ray Leonard and Mike Tyson were huge mainstream stars, they still were not on the level of a Muhammad Ali. They kept the mainstream. They they were huge stars. They were massive stars. You could make an argument that Sugar Ray Leonard and Mike Tyson in their prime were the biggest stars in sports. But Muhammad Ali was the biggest star on the planet. Yeah. He was, that's like, the, on the level of Pele. That he's on the level of Pele, Michael Jackson, Elvis, the Beatles. Yeah, uh, Michael Jordan. Leonard and, Ty- Leonard and Tyson were never on that level. Even though 
The night Tyson beat Trevor Burbick to win the heavyweight championship of the world in November of 86, he was on the same level as Michael Jordan when it came to sports. But that didn't last long because of his uh, outside-of-the-ring escapades and vices. But um, when it comes to just worldwide, you could make an argument that Ali was bigger than all those guys that we mentioned. Pele, well, it, yeah. Mike, uh, Michael Jackson, uh, Elvis, so yeah. forth. It proves, though, that in combat sports, that the the star, the whoever is the champion, their charisma is what creates the business. Like nobody has come, al- yeah, and nobody has come along like that is at, as charismatic and as compelling as the. Never mind athletes, people in the history of the planet to have that type of charisma. Michael Jackson had that. Michael Jordan had that. You have to be born like that. It's just Ali was just he was just he was just amazing. When he walked he'd walk through Harlem and you have hundreds of kids start running and 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 jogging them down the street. You don't see that anymore with anybody. So he was pretty rusty, right? He did have two fights before okay. this fight. This wasn't his first fight after even though promoters were pushing while Ali was Ali was in exile from April of '67 to October of 1970, so we're talking three and a half years. He was not he was he was stripped of his world championship. He was stripped of his boxing license in all 50 states, and they took away his passport, so he couldn't go to Canada or Mexico or Europe or Asia to fight because he would have got paid millions, but he couldn't. He couldn't leave the country. He didn't have a passport, so. And also, he was convicted of being a draft dodger. And so he was on appeal. He was out on bail. And any minute, they could send him back to prison. And he was fighting that. So he was spending a lot of money without having a regular income come in. And that's why the speaking engagements at the colleges were huge for him because that paid the bills. His lawyers were trying desperately to get licensed somewhere. Nobody would license him until finally, in October of 1970, the mayor of Atlanta, along with the city council, uh, passed a resolution to get Ali a license in the state of Georgia. To, and then he fought. And this is, this is incredible, Logan. Ali's first fight back from exile, three and a half years after he was stripped of the world title, after his last fight, he fights the number one contender. Usually when you come out, when Mike Tyson was in prison for three years, when he came out of prison, he fought Peter McNeely. He fought a fucking bartender, all right? A fucking yeah. stiff. No, Ali comes out and he fights the number one contender, Jerry Quarry, who in another era would have been heavyweight champion of the world. If Jerry Quarry fought today, he'd be heavyweight champion of the world, but not back then. Quarry was maybe because Quarry fought in the greatest era of heavyweight boxing. So he bludgeons Jerry Quarry. They stop the fight after three rounds because he bloodies Jerry Quarry like a stuck pig. And now, now the, the, the drum beat is on for him to fight Frazier. Ali has a second fight in December of 71 at Madison Square Garden against Oscar Bonavena. The reason Ali took this fight because Bonavena fought Frazier twice 
And in the first fight, he knocked Frazier down twice and gave Frazier hell and almost beat Frazier. Frazier won a very tight decision that could have gone either way. And so Ali figured if he could beat Bonavena more convincingly than Frazier did, that that would, you know, that that would show the world that he was still Ali and he was still the much better fighter. Bonavena gave Ali hell. Bonavena was one of the greatest, had one of the greatest chins in heavyweight boxing history. He kept coming, coming. He was your typical Argentinian bull. He'd bull into you. He'd grab you. He'd, he'd hit you below the belt. He gave Ali problems for the first 14 rounds. Ali was winning the fight, but he did not look impressive because Bonavena was a tough fighter to look impressive. Finally, in the 15th round, Ali came to life and knocked down Bonavena three times to knock him out and win in the 15th round to set up the fight in March of 71 against Joe Frazier. Joe Frazier was the heavyweight champion of the world after knocking out Buster Mathis in the tournament to win the New York State Championship that was stripped from Ali. And then in the unification fight a year prior to the Ali fight in 1970, he knocked out Muhammad Ali's childhood friend, Jimmy Ellis, who was the WBA champion, to become the undisputed, well, not just undisputed, but the recognized heavyweight champion of the world. But Ali was still recognized by the Ring Magazine as the heavyweight champion of the world, despite the fact that he hadn't fought three and a half years. Frazier always said, during this time period, that he did not consider himself the heavyweight champion of the world because the man that had the title before him never lost. And to prove to the world that he was the real champion, he had to beat Ali. During Ali's exile, it has been proven that Frazier gave Ali money. And he never asked for it back because he told Ali, this is for you. Because when you come out and when you're allowed to fight again, I'll make this a hundred times, a thousand times, a million times over. All right. <laughs> both men, both men received a record $2.5 million. We're talking 1971, $2.5 million to fight each other in a fight that was sold out instantly. And so here we have, we have the political climate. We have the two best fighters in the world. I mean, who is the face? And who is oh, the heel? The fa- well, it, dep- it depends on what depends on where you were on. living. Right. What culture? If you were a if you were a conservative white man, Joe Frazier was the favorite. If you was a Southern white, Joe Frazier was the favorite. If you was a hardworking construction worker that was black, Hispanic, whatever, Joe Frazier was the face. If you was a poor black, poor Puerto Rican, poor Native American. Ali was your favorite because Ali was the people's champ. Ali was fighting for the underdog while Frazier was the working man. So you had the working man versus the the oppressed. So basically what you had was the middle class versus the poor class while the upper class sat back and made all the money off, the, off this fight. <laughs> I'm shocked that Ali wasn't assassinated. He was speaking on colleges. He was anti-war. He was proven to be right because the war turned out to be the wrong thing for the United States to do. And yet, I'm sure there were attempts on his life or close attempts that we haven't heard about. I know during, while he was training for Jerry Quarry, he was getting death threats left and right while training in Atlanta. And, you know, you're, you're, deep, you're in the Deep South. 
But I, you never heard of him getting shot at or, or someone run up to him with a knife, which I'm surprised because he angered a lot of people, especially white people. <laughs> he, he, but he didn't have any real uh, significant rivalries, though, with like a white fighters. It was, also, it was always a, a black fighter, right? Well, because at that time, black fighters dominated. Now, Jerry Coy was number one contender and a very good fighter with the potential to be great. But he was too small for an Ali or Frazier obliterated him the year before. Quarry was too small for an Ali or Frazier. Um, And that was the best white fighter of that era. So, no, Ali never had a rivalry with a white fighter because there was a there was there has never been a white fighter in the history of the heavyweight division. That was a, a pimple on Muhammad Ali's ass, period. <laughs> Today, yesterday, whatever. I don't want to hear this bullshit about, oh, well, Tyson Fury, six foot seven. He gives Ali problems. He'd mop the fucking floor with that idiot. All right, go ahead. You think, so you really, you think uh, Tyson Fury wouldn't have any chance against Ali? No, being come six- on. That, that, that speed? Now, I could see Tyson Fury beating Joe Frazier because Joe Frazier's only 5'11". And Fury could hold, could 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 tie him up and box to a boring decision. Um, I could see the, him doing the same thing against a Mike Tyson. But Ali, Holmes, Lennox Lewis, George Foreman, they would all put Tyson Fury in the hospital. Yeah. Um, so when you look at um, the way that they they marketed this fight kind of, they marketed to different people. You're right. Like it, it depended on who the audience was, who was the, on, the heel. On what what class you were? The the upper class was rooting for Frazier because they wanted somebody to shut Ali up. The middle class was rooting for Frazier because they saw him in them. The when lower they, class, the disproportionate, the ones that had nothing, the poor, were all fighting for Ali because they were oppressed and they saw that Ali was speaking for the oppressed. It was when did the trash it, 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 talk? Did that that was sad because that's Ali. That was Ali, and I don't think no, Ali that, meant any of it. Was that this fight, or was that like the third fight? Because I remember well, that, being it, a real. This, this was all. This was all. This was all three fights. This was all three okay. fights. Ali was in this fight. Ali was calling Frazier Uncle Tom. He's fighting for the white man. All unfair because Joe Frazier was was fighting for his family. He he was a proud black man. He wasn't fighting for no white man. He was fighting for himself, his family. He had he Joe Frazier's father had one arm. And Joe Frazier's father taught him how to box, but what he did was he told Joe to what you call it? Use an axe to chop wood with his left hand because his father was left handed as a way to strengthen that left hand and, and in the history of boxing, you can make an argument that Joe Frazier had the greatest left hook in the history of boxing. He built that left hand to the point where it was strong as an ox. That was his father teaching him. His father was a one-armed man. Uh, Joe Frazier was a hard-working man from the Carolinas who moved to Philly as a young man, learned to box under Eddie Futch and Yancey Durham, and learned to and had an incredible style that later on would be mimicked by Mike Tyson. He bobbed and weaved. He was a short heavyweight, 5'11". He would bob and weave to make himself even harder to hit. He'd be low to the ground. And you'll be punching down, open for it because you're punching down, your chin's in the air. Boom. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, he he was he fought a lot like Marciano too, right? I mean, like hitting the arms, hitting the body. He'd hit he'd hit, he'd hit everything. He, he he's Marciano with a uh, hundred times harder punching. Yeah, punching power. But I mean, so, a very yeah. similar style too. I thought. Um, I thought and, like and, and he, like Jack and like and like Jack Dempsey, where you know they they hit you everywhere. They hit you ev- they hit you yeah. everywhere, and they and Frazier. And we'll talk about it in this fight. That body punching was incredible. Yeah, you can't do a rope a dope with that kind of body punching, man. No, you just no, no. And then no, Ali, work. any any time Ali tried to do rope a dope, he'd get his ass kicked, man. You, you, like... you, 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 that does not work against a, a fighter like Joe Frazier because his main his main purpose at the beginning of his fight is to wear you down to the body. Yeah, and to, and to put you up against the ropes and 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 kill your body. So, don't don't fucking get on the ropes with these guys. Um, but when he, so we saw this fight here, Ali, he just he thought he could rope a dope his way to a victory, but it was one of the worst strategies I've ever seen well, well, him execute. Well, 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 let's let's get into the fight. The first five rounds is Ali. The Ali before he went into exile. The first five rounds, Ali is moving. He's pumping that incredible left jab of his. He's landing that right cross. He's keeping the fight for the most part in the middle of the ring. And he, he got hit out. though. He yeah, got but hit still, he rounds. was landing. He was landing more than he got hit, and he was moving. And he was for the most part in the first five rounds was keeping the fight in the middle of the ring. But Frazier. With that bobbing and weaving, Frazier was determined this night that in order for you to beat Joe Frazier on the night of March 8th, 1971, you had to take an axe like he used <laughs> to chop wood with and cut yeah. his neck off. Yeah, because he, was, he just, was determined. He was, he was in a zone. Yeah. He was in a zone and he kept coming and coming and coming. And so and after he was, five rounds, he was five rounds, talking. I I, uh, you know, like but, he was oh, doing he, the fucking. <laughs> yes, he was. Matter of fact, uh, I forgot what round it was, but during this fight, they were in a clinch, and Ali was like, uh, "You know me. You can't beat. You can't beat the greatest. You can't beat me. God's ordained me. I'm God." And he goes, "Well, God's about to get knocked on his ass." <laughs> <laughs> Man, it was just. But you know the thing is. I didn't. I thought some of the stuff that Ali was trying to do, like he was keeping his arm all the way outstretched. Did you see that? Like when he's just like when he started to get tired. That's he because was, he was exhausted. See, this is where maybe the three and a half years started to take its toll, being not, not fighting. Maybe the rust. I don't. I never used that as an excuse because he had two fights before this fight. It wasn't like he fought. Frazier right away, which is what they wanted two or three years before this fight. They wanted to put him in the ring right away with Frazier. Um, he fought two tremendous fighters before he fought two aggressive fighters. It wasn't like he fought stiffs. So I, I'm throwing that out the window. What I am, what I will factor in is that Ali had lost a step since not since since four years before. Ali in this fight. He's 29 years old going into this fight. He was exiled at 25. And when Man, can Ali you imagine ex- if he hadn't been Ali, exiled, right? 
what 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 a different Ali at twenty five. Ali Muhammad Ali at the age of twenty five in nineteen sixty seven before he was exiled, before he was stripped of the title, was a perfect fighter. He was the fastest heavyweight that ever lived. He threw blinding combinations. His foot speed was impeccable. Twenty five I'm looking at two other fighters I saw at 25 in my lifetime that were that perfect. And I'm talking about Floyd Mayweather and Roy Jones Jr. Floyd Floyd Mayweather and Roy Jones Jr. are the only two at the age of 25 that were picture perfect like Ali was in 1967. Being that those three fighters at their weight class would never lose at that age. They can't be beaten. That's how great Ali was before his career was almost stolen away and his prime was stolen away by the U.S. government. There's not a single man that ever lived that could have beaten Muhammad Ali in 19, at the age of 25. Nobody. Nobody before him, nobody after him. That's how great he was. That Ali beats Frazier, but that Ali's not in the ring. There's a 29-year-old Ali who's lost his step. You see signs of the of the brilliance because with Ali, the first five rounds, Logan, when he's moving and landing, he's landing at will. And those punches are rapid moving. In fact, you see, you still see the greatness. But the Ali of at 25 could move for 15 rounds. This Ali can't. And you saw beginning in the sixth round that Ali began to lay up against the ropes and just put that arm out. And that's when you could tell he was exhausted. And what Frazier did, Frazier was like, he pushed the arm out the way and just started beating the hell out of that body like a drum. And Frazier kept coming. Now, Ali and Frazier are about the same age. But the difference is, Frazier's been active. Ali hasn't. So, Frazier has not lost us. Frazier is in his prime. Ali should be in his prime, but is not because his prime was stolen away from him. And so he's making up for lost time. Never mind the rust. It's an activity. He's making up for lost time. He's fighting a guy that's been fighting at a high level for the last three years while Ali just started fighting again. And he's lost that step, and Frazier's determined, and Frazier, and they talk about how fast Ali was. Look at the speed of Frazier. Look how lightning, lightning, uh, those those left hooks and right crosses to the body are. It's incredible. You're seeing a fight here at the highest level. The two best fighters in the world fighting at a high level. Now, Ali's not the same fighter he was four years ago, but this man, in, 19, in 1971, when he fights Frazier, the only man that ever lived that could have beaten Ali that night was Joe Frazier. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, so you, think- you see the hell... He gave Frazier hell. This wasn't an easy fight. No, it was Six, for Frazier. Frazier was more beat up in his face than Ali at the end and of we'll the fight. And we'll go into that. So in the sixth round, Frazier staggers Ali for the first time with two flush left hooks. And um, Ali is tired. He's playing around. Round seven was incredible because they went toe-to-toe. Seventh round was one of the greatest rounds in heavyweight title history. They went toe-to-toe. But Ali was Ali really was exhausted after that. I think he I think he uh, sapped his strength by throwing so many punches because in the eighth round, Ali also, laid up against. 
or the eighth round, Ali's laid up against the ropes, Logan, and he starts doing that pity patty shit. Yeah. I'm like, come on. Go ahead, Logan. And, <laughs> I was just saying, he never. I, I didn't see him hit the body like one time, man. Like he was. Well, Ali, Ali never went to the body. Ali, and okay. occasionally, occasionally Ali would throw a jab to the body, but Ali never went to the like. Ali was not an inside fighter. Ali fought from the outside, and it's very hard when you're an outside fighter. For perfect example, Larry Holmes never went to the body because he fought from the outside. Lennox Lewis. Never went to the body because they were out, they were boxers that moved and stayed outside and used their jab to control the distance. So those type of fighters aren't going to go to the body because Even when they have boxers. people in trouble. And uh, Lennox, when he had you in trouble, would go to the body. Larry too. Uh, Ali no. Ali would headhunt the entire way, and Ali could get away with it because he had such blazing head speed that no matter how how much you covered up. If he threw 10 punches, rapping like three or four, going to get in flush. So Ali could get away with that because he had incredible natural skills, sort of like a Roy Jones Jr. or a Floyd Mayweather at 25, where they didn't have to go to the body when they hurt you because their hand speed was such so incredible that no matter how you wrap your arms around your chin and your, and your face, you're not going to block all those punches. <laughs> Many of them are going to get in. So that's why that's why I believe Ali was never a avid body puncher. He only he would jab to the body on occasion, but other than that, your rib cage was safe when you fought Muhammad Ali. <laughs> so and, and how, but and and how did he avoid getting punched before this? He was just too fast or too much outside. He for was people too to get. quick. Now in the 1960s, like you see his his first fight with Liston. Other than the round which Liston blinded him, with with with, with, with uh, and Ali couldn't see, he had to run, and Liston landed in that round. Other than that, Ali was on his. He was too fast for Liston. He was he was landing combination after combination. Liston couldn't get inside. Also, Liston was six feet. Ali was six three. Ali was much taller, much quicker, and Liston couldn't deal with it. Second fight, Liston took a dive. He didn't want to fuck with Ali. The minute Ali hit him on the chin, he went down and acted like he was drowning. Nobody <laughs> in the nineteen in the 1960s, Ali was in trouble a few times, but always recovered real quick because what people didn't realize then that they found out on this evening was that Ali had the most incredible chin in the history of the heavyweight division. Right, and up in to the, this point, he, he had never been, been tested. Right. And, and he, had, he had never been... I mean, he had never received in his whole career boxing it, it, as many punches as he did in this one fight. I think in this one fight, Frazier landed more punches in this fight than Ali's entire career up until that point. Right, yeah. And by a lot. I mean, probably by lacted by like, you know, a couple times. Probably by, twice, probably by twice the amount of punches he ever took. <laughs> yeah. So this fight, I think, I think dramatically hurt Ali, like, I think he was never hurt, the same. It, it hurt both fighters. And you're right. not the first person to say that. Neither fighter was the same after this fight. We'll go more into this after we finish going o- over the fight. But um, you make a great point there because um, Joe, you know, I, I, I'll save it for after the fight. But they, I... um. Let's just, just let's just get back to, to to the round by round. So this the, the eighth round, you see, he starts doing that pity patty shit. And my father and I've seen this fight. 
I saw this fight with my father every year. Now, Logan and I are from New York City. And WOR, WWOR, Channel 9 used to be WOR back in the day, back in the 70s and 80s. And Logan, between 1978 and 1986, Channel 9, WOR, would show the same footage I, I uh, texted you that you watched. That was part of a two-hour documentary called Ali the Fighter. They would show every year on Channel 9, where the first half is a documentary leading up to the fight, and the second half is the entire fight minus, minus color commentating. Oh. It, 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 it's the reason the footage I gave you is no announcing. It's like you're actually inside the ring. It's like you're at, you have a front row seat to this fight because there's no announcing. So you don't you don't you don't hear. Uh, and there's no announcer swaying you. So every time I've seen this fight, and I saw this fight with my father several times, I bought the DVD of this fight when it was finally released 16 years ago. I've seen this fight anywhere from 25 to 30 times, and every time I've seen it, I've. I've scored it differently because there's so many damn rounds, Logan, that could have gone either way. But I always have the same outcome, and I'll get into that later. It's just <laughs> it's just crazy. It's just crazy. So, um, in the ninth round, another great round as far as toe-to-toe action. Ali gets his second win and lands several incredible combinations. It's, uh in the 10th round, same thing. They're going toe-to-toe, and Ali is holding his own. And you could make an argument that Ali won one round 9 to 10, but they're very close. But now, the turning point of the fight, the 11th round, the biggest punch of the fight landed as Frazier hits Ali with a booming left hook. And this is where Ali proved, A, he could take a punch, B, he had heart, and see that he was the most intelligent fighter that ever lived inside the squared circle because he got hit and he's out on his feet, but he quickly quickly uses his head and pretends that he's not hurt by exaggerating, by acting like he's exaggerating right. that he's hurt. So Frazier yeah. is like, doesn't go in right away because everybody knows that Ali likes to play. And Frazier's like, maybe he set me up and he's really not hurt and I'm going to walk into something. And that saves Ali from getting knocked out in the 11th round. Time Frazier realizes that Ali is bullshit, the round, is, the round comes to an end. And Ali escapes what should have been a knockout. Because, yeah, he, he oh, my gosh. Yeah, because that, that pretending saved him from getting knocked out. Uh the 12th round, Ali's just holding on. His head's still not clear. And Frazier is banging that body like a drum. The 13th round, toe-to-toe, incredible action. Frazier staggers Ali again with a left hook. 14th round, Ali knows that the fight is in the balance, that he could be losing. And Ali puts on a clinic, landing combination after combination. So after 14 rounds, Every time I've seen this fight, Logan, and I don't always score the fight, the rounds the same. I had this fight dead even. Every time I've watched this fight, be 25 or 30 times. All 
every time I've had this fight seven rounds apiece going into the 15th round. Now, back then, for the young listeners, there was no such thing as a 10-point must system. Back then, you scored the, the round for a fighter. It was just the round. I, they, it was by a round system. So you'd have to win. You, you, even if you got knocked down, it only counted as one round. So right now we had it seven rounds apiece on my scorecard. Every time I've seen this, going into the 15th round. Ali comes out strong in the 15th round. He he, he knows that, his, uh, that the fight's on the line, that he could be losing. And because of that, he becomes overly aggressive. And Joe Frazier lands one of the greatest left hooks that has ever landed, that's ever been thrown, that's ever caught somebody. Ali gets hit and he went, he goes down like he's been shot. Yeah. And this is where Ali proved that he maybe not the greatest fighter of all time, but he was one of the two or three greatest fighters of all time. Because before the referee Arthur McCanty turns around to start the count, Ali gets up. Logan, talk about the amazement when you saw that. Because that left hook was incredible. Yeah, he dropped him. I mean, he just, he just, he took him out. And the thing is, it's very hard to get Ali off his feet because he has such incredible balance. He, but in he that picked case, him off. He picked him up off his feet with that left hook. <laughs> it just, you know, and and I think that we have to talk about his state of mind. I think you're right. He was just so determined to get even, and he was one of those guys that, like, when he's angry. Like, you can't stop him. Some people get fucked up when they get angry. But Frazier, I think later on it, it got the best of him. But in this fight, it was the perfect amount for him to just be super focused. And and he was just not taking – he was just going to take it to Ali, man. And he just in kept any, coming. In any, in any type of individual sport, individual activity, individual profession, whether you're a singer – an MC, a tennis player, a boxer, a track and field artist, whatever. When it comes to individual sports or individual activities, individual events, if you have two guys with similar similar skills, similar greatness, the hungrier guy is the one that usually wins. In this right. fight, while Ali was hungry because he wanted to prove to the world that he was still the greatest, Frazier was hungrier because he was tired of Ali belittling him. Belittling him. Yeah. He was tired of, of his people, black people, overwhelmingly rooting for Ali, which is understandable. Frazier has to understand Ali is an icon. He was the hero of the black people. Remember, they lost Malcolm X and Martin Luther King within eight years of this fight. Ali was the last man standing. They go to root for him, so he had to understand that. And he was also hungry because no one looked at him as the real heavyweight at the real heavyweight champion. He was not a legitimate champion, so he, had he more was hungry. He was starving. Ali had a little bit food in his stomach while <laughs> Frazier was starving. And you saw it with that left hook he landed, and no other fighter would have gotten up off that left hook. 
Ali gets up before the referee even starts counting. Before McCanty turns around, Ali's getting up. And the first time I saw this fight, I was 10 years old. And my father's like, watch this, watch this. And I was like, oh, shit, Ali got, never mind, he got that, watch this. I was like, oh, shit, pop, he got right, I said, yup, that's how you know a man's great. Cause did you think his first that first knockdown where he slipped was was a slip or what? What would you think about that? He, no, he, his feet went out from under him. That was a slip. Okay. Because remember, he was throwing a punch and he slipped at the same time. Uh, the punch was was wasn't as big as the one in the eleventh round where Ali pretended that he wasn't hurt, that he was playing hurt when he was really hurt, and <laughs> I think that was a bigger punch than the knockdown. I don't know how Ali survived this fight, but Ali gets up, and he holds on, and Frazier wins a unanimous decision. One judge gave Frazier 11 rounds. I don't know what the fuck that judge was smoking. I think that judge had the, his scorecard written up already. He was probably anti-Ali because he, he was pro-Vietnam War and said, man, fuck that Negro. I'm not... <laughs> this is my scorecard. I, I, I've not seen anything. He gave Frazier 11 rounds. Frazier didn't win 11 rounds. Ali didn't win 11 rounds. Nobody won 11 rounds in this fight. Arthur McCancy had it eight rounds to six, one round even. And the third judge had it nine rounds to six, which I could see because there were a lot of close rounds in this fight. But 11 to four, hell no. Anyway, Frazier, I had it eight, seven, Frazier. Frazier wins the fight deservedly. But this hasn't been spoken about a lot. But uh, those that were there, people know this. Both men had to go to the hospital, but Ali was checked out right away. Frazier, reports are that Frazier almost died from the amount of punishment that he took that night. Joe Frazier was never the same. Muhammad Ali was never the same after this fight. Oh, this There should have been an automatic rematch. That's how great this fight was. And Frazier held off. Frazier did not give Ali a rematch. And in 1973, Frazier, instead of giving Ali the rematch, Gives George Foreman the fight, and George Foreman decimates Joe Frazier in one of the most savage beatings in the history of the heavyweight division, knocking him out in the second round. He dropped Frazier six times. It was a brutal beating. Um, it only, he, it only what if he sense. fought him pre-Ali? Do you think he would have been so easy, or would he, had, he would have had a harder time? It, it, it was it's a bad match. Foreman is 6'5", punching like a mule against a five foot eleven Joe Frazier. Frazier's too small. Frazier's no matter what. Small. Just yeah. like if Mike Tyson ever fought George Foreman. Too small. A guy that short is not beating a, a power puncher like George Foreman. You got to get in there and get hit. Two hit. And you're not surviving those blasts. <laughs> and Joe Frazier had a tremendous chin. But he's no match for George Foreman. George Foreman never lost to a slugger. He only lost to boxers. See what you're saying. So yeah, even so he when he lo- even in. when he lost even when he lost to Tommy the Duke Morrison of Rocky Five Fade. Tommy Morrison beat George Foreman. Tommy Morrison moved for the whole twelve rounds. He didn't try to, and Tommy Morrison was a slugger. Tommy boxed that night and beat Foreman. He wasn't gonna stay in front of Foreman to get hit. Yeah, he beat a forty year old Foreman. But who maybe a year he- later who a year later won the heavyweight championship of the world again. Right, but he would have, I don't know how he would have done oh, it again. Oh, he would have got killed. He would have <laughs> killed in 1975. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Come on, man. 
This is a Razor Ruddock or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Frazier doesn't fight Ali right away. Uh, fights a couple, couple of steps. Rod Stander, he almost kills Bob Foster, the light heavyweight champion of the world. And Foster, even though he was much taller than Frazier, was too damn skinny to beat a Joe Frazier. Too small physically. I mean, not he was six foot four, but he didn't have he didn't have the the, the bulk in size like a George Foreman or Muhammad Ali to compete with Joe Frazier. And so he gets brutalized by George Foreman, and then that same month, Ali loses to Ken Norton. And so now things turn. Are both these guys done? To to, to piggyback on your point, that first fight took a lot out of them. Ali wins the rematch against Norton and then beats Frazier in a rematch in um, January of 74 to get the shot against uh, George Foreman, and he beats George Foreman in, in one of the greatest comebacks in sports history. Finally wins the heavyweight championship world. And then they have their, you have the iconic third fight, the Thriller Manila, which I consider the greatest fight in the history of boxing. And that's a fight that we'll talk about sometime this year because, as you notice, listeners, the last few episodes we've been doing have been historical pieces on one event or one person. We did Hank Aaron. We did Leon Spinks. And tonight's the 50th anniversary of Ali versus Frazier. Um, in my recent articles on Fight Game Media, I wrote this as the third greatest fight of all time, Frazier versus Ali. I will not argue with people who consider it the greatest fight of all time because consider the action in the ring, the political climate at the time, the monumental impact this fight had. There's never been a bigger fighter, or you could make an argument, bigger sporting event before or since. And one thing I want to add, this fight was on closed circuit. There was no pay-per-view back then for young listeners out there. Guess how many people paid to see this fight Across the world, I'm gonna give you a. I'm gonna let you uh, venture a guess real quick, uh, Logan. Let's see. Uh, Five hundred million. You a little bit. You a little bit up. It was three hundred million. Okay. <laughs> but you know what? Five hundred million would. Five hundred million would it not? Would, would, That's a huge number. <laughs> Five hundred million could easily been reached. You know, it could have easily been reached, but it was 300 million people worldwide. But that's how many they counted. That's probably yeah. more. Oh, you know what? It, you know, right? Because you had a lot of shenanigans with box offices, people taking under the table money, people pocketing shit so they don't have to get taxed. You, yeah, you, I'm you sure make a valid was, point there. So what was reported, reported? Yeah, it was 300. What was reported was 300 million people paid. Across the cut, across the world, to see this fight live on close circuit. Those are ridiculous numbers. You'll never see any sporting event, never mind a fight, see those numbers. The Super Bowl is always the biggest uh, televised sport in the world. This year, 94 million people tuned in to see the Super Bowl. Nowhere near 300 million. They never get to 300 million. No one. Yeah, that, it's not gonna that was that was 
that was Muhammad Ali's draw of power. That was Muhammad Ali's appeal. What about the second fight? A second fight was on closed circuit. I don't know the numbers. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head of the second and third fight. The third fight did huge numbers, but I don't I believe that in the history of boxing, no other fight had this amount of people watching across the world at the same time. The second fight was an interesting fight. I mean, you had Ali on his toes, staying off the road. Oh, Ali, 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 Ali boxed beautifully in that fight and was never in trouble. Stayed outside. It's funny. The second fight was what thought what happened in the first fight. The first and the third fights were uh, Ali having to battle hell and beyond. He didn't have to do that in the second fight. Yeah, I, I wondered why he didn't fight the third fight, but we'll talk about that. The way he did the second we'll, fight. We'll be we'll be talking about that sometime down the line, probably on the anniversary, because the anniversary is in, that fight happened September 30th slash October 1st, depending on where in the world you were at the time, because the fight happened in the Philippines, and we know the Philippines are several hours ahead of us. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll be talking about that this year, uh, uh, in September October, uh, doing the anniversary of that fight. But uh, I just wanted right, to talk man. about. The- the 50th anniversary of this fight, uh, a landmark fight, and rest in peace to both Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. They both passed on. Both had incredible careers. Uh, Logan made a great point years ago when we first started doing this podcast that he felt that Frazier's bitterness and hatred towards Ali resulted in an early death for him. And I, I agree with you on that. Logan, I want you to Break that up and tell the tell the listeners out there why you think that 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 caused Frazier's health to take a turn for its worst for the worst. Yeah, well, you know, he just never he never forgave him. You know, he he always harbored this deep seated anger, and I and you know, anger is good for like a single fight maybe, but like and 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 I guess it helped him in the first fight, but you could tell that it just I think it broke him down to the point where. Even well in his during his boxing career, it just consumed him, uh, and and it took away his eventually just he couldn't fight just on pure anger, you know. It's like it burns hey, it's, it's a, it burns you out, you know. And you know after Ali lost his voice and was stricken with Parkinson's, he made several efforts to uh, reconcile with Frazier because Ali saw the error of his ways. Ali's wife Lonnie always talked about how the mistakes Ali made in the past and the regrets he had. And one of his biggest regrets was the way he treated Joe Frazier. Frazier wanted, Frazier wanted no part of it. Frazier, Frazier had a rage. And we'll go more into it. We talk about the third fight, but there was things that Ali said after that fight that should have squashed that beef. Muhammad Ali had the utmost respect for Joe Frazier as a fighter. Ali always said that Frazier was the greatest fighter he ever fought. Nobody gave him more problems. Uh, Frazier could not get past the comments, and Ali made some disgusting, disparaging remarks about Joe Frazier, calling, saying that he'll beat the the gorilla in the thriller in Manila, called him an Uncle Tom, called him ignorant, and that really, really hurt Frazier because Frazier saw that no matter what Ali would, the majority of the black community would side with Ali. It was an unfair fight. I would compare it to Tupac and Biggie. 
where Tupac would rip on Biggie, and Biggie, not the best speaker, not the most intelligent cat, couldn't come back at Tupac in the media and make fun of Pac or talk because Pac, like Ali, was was a master with the gift of gab, and Biggie wasn't. That went on the mic, yeah, but just in an interview, you know, Biggie he stuttered, he hemmed and hommed, while Pac, Tupac was very articulate and the most articulate rapper that ever lived. So yeah, he was he was like, like Ali. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and Biggie was like Frazier, where Frazier could, with, with his fist, he could do the talking, but with the media, he could compete with Ali, just like Biggie could compete with Tupac when it came to interviews and representing his his thoughts in the media. Right, and it was right. an unfair fight. It was a very unfair fight. Yep, and. Uh, it, the anger that yeah i think i I really think like when you when you don't give forgiveness to your enemies man that's a recipe for a premature death so especially especially when the enemies have 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 tried to make up and and yeah ask for your forgiveness it wasn't like like what do you want you know like what do you want him to do kill himself i mean what's going to satisfy you now you know (laughs) it's funny right right before frazier died he was, you know, he was bragging about how, oh, in the long run, all right, he won two of the three fights, but the law won. Who won? Who won? Well, actually, he did say who won, but he meant who won. Who won? Uh, he can't talk. I can talk. He doesn't have wow. his faculty. I have his fact. Yeah, Frazier was, man. That, that I mean, was, I would that argue was... he won the more important fight. He won, he won the most important fight of the three. And that fight made him immortal. That right. fight, if he doesn't lose that fight, if he, I mean, sorry, if he loses that fight, if he doesn't win that fight, he doesn't go down as an immortal fighter. He doesn't. No, he's a, he's a footnote in history. I don't know if he's a footnote. He's still a Hall of Famer because he was a great fighter, but he's not on the same level that people see him if he doesn't right. win that fight. That was a career-making win for him. He doesn't win that fight. He's, he goes down as a Hall of Fame fighter because he was a great fighter. But he would not be considered as great as he is today. That fighter made him immortal. For those that want to hear extra content from me, I'm now doing a weekly Patreon podcast with my with with uh, my buddy Carlos Toro on our buddy Logan Jared Gonzalez's Fight Game Media Patreon website. So if they're interested in hearing my weekly show, and in this show, it's not like the show we do, Logan. It's a weekly recap of the news in, in boxing. You can go to fightgamemedia.com and click on the Patreon page. And it's it's predominantly wrestling and MMA. The only boxer show is the boxer show I do on the show. So if, you, if you're interested, I would check that out. And next time on this podcast, we will be looking at, it'll be the 14th or the 15th. You have possibly the fight of the year. On March 13th, you have the rematch between Chocolatito and Juan Francisco Estrada for the Rig Super Flyweight Championship. We've seen these great fighters fight great fights over and over again with other guys like Sir Rugvisai and Carlos Quadras. This should be an incredible fight. And that'll be the next podcast on this, uh, this show we do, the fight recap. 
for the March 13th, Juan Francisco Estrada versus Chocolatito, Robert Gonzalez fight. Cool, man. Talk then, man. Have a good one. Peace out, my brother. Talk to you in a few. Peace out, man. Thanks, everybody, for listening.